Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 98 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Uh, We're joining you after Thanksgiving. Justin, uh, how are you and how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, My Thanksgiving was amazing. So, wahoo. A Trump-free Thanksgiving, I take it? Oh, delightfully Trump-free. Yeah, because if anybody read Justin's uh, diatribe against (laughs) anything Trump-related for Thanksgiving, he was basically like, what was the gist of your article? It was that uh, you would never, ever, ever do a Thanksgiving with a Trump supporter. Oh, God, no. Absolutely not. Holidays are for family and friends, and Trump supporters are neither. So, <laughs> Okay. I've done Thanksgiving with a Trump supporter, by the way. I just want to let everybody know that. My um, condolences. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk politics. Um, anyway, look, we have a big show for you today. Uh, on the on today's show, we are going to be looking at the financial struggles of the RNC. That is the Republican National Committee, for those of you who don't know. It's now at its lowest cash reserves since 2015. Boo-hoo. Aww. Uh, we're going to be exploring how Trump and Jared Kushner's control over fundraising platforms like WinRed might be affecting the GOP's campaign funding. Then we're going to be discussing the ongoing Hunter Biden saga. Crisis to the thing. Um, but despite his agreement to testify publicly, Republicans are backing out. Wonder why. Mm. Our focus then shifts to the performative ceasefire now protests, where protesters are demanding something that is already happening. Um, the Koch brothers are funding Nikki Haley in what probably is the biggest waste of money ever. We have our fascist of the week segment featuring uh, none other than Elon Musk, who is reviving Pizzagate amongst other other sins. Then we have our sunshine of the week. And then uh, we are going into the emergency meeting podcast where we are going to be discussing our favorite fan of the banter, longtime reader, longtime supporter, Susan Sarandon. Close has, personal friend, definitely. Close personal friend. Um, Justin wrote a very powerful and very controversial article this week on Susan Sarandon and her, I think you could fairly say, deeply anti Semitic comments. Um, we're going to be talking about Susan Sarandon, the band's history of going after Susan Sarandon. Um, she's gone after me on Twitter. She's gone after most of us, I think, on Twitter. Uh, but we're going to be talking about that more in depth. There's some updates to that. We're going to be talking about Ches Pazienza's take on Susan Sarandon too, which was hilarious. Um, but anyway, let's uh, move on to the main podcast. And we're going, let's, okay, so the RNC. Th- things are not well in the Republican National Committee. Really no, not well. No, they, they seem to be a little short on cash. Yeah, they had, the Republican National Committee disclosed that it had $9.1 million in cash on hand. Like this is according to the Washington Post, the lowest amount for the RNC in any Federal Election Commission report since February 2015. That compares with about $20 million at the same point in the 2016 election cycle, when about $61 million four years ago when Trump was in the White House. 
Uh, the Democratic National Committee reportedly have, having 17.7 million as of, as of October 30th, almost twice as much as the Republican Party with one year before the election. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, not, uh, not really. That's really, really not good. What do you think this is? Uh, why do you think this is the case? Um, well, there's, there's, there's a couple of things going on here. Um, I understand that their big dollar donors are starting to get a little twitchy, right? They're, they're not comfortable with Trump. Um, right. they see, they see him as, as not a sure bet at this point. He's, he's lost the last several elections, right? He, he lost the 2018 midterm. He lost 2020. He lost the 2022 midterm. And he lost the the, the um, off-year elections too, right? He did not do well. He Everything mm. he touches dies. You know, he had that one great year in 2016. And everything else since then has been really, really bad for the Republican Party. Um, so they are not willing to throw away their money at this point because you know he's not delivering he's all he's doing all republicans are doing under his leadership because he is in charge of the republican party still is losing um and then you have the problem with win red right that's the republicans answer to act blue which is the small donor fundraising juggernaut of the democratic party they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars over the years, hundreds of millions of dollars. And Jared Kushner is in charge of it. He's the one that put it together. He, he was the one that put Wind Red together. But because it was put together by Republicans, specifically Jared Kushner, it doesn't function the way Act Blue does. Mm. Act Blue raises the money and funnels most of it to the Democrats, right? They, they funnel it to Democratic candidates. They funnel it to the ones that need it the most, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, WinRed does not do that. A huge amount of that money goes to Trump, Kushner, and God knows who else, but it doesn't go to Republican candidates, right? It's it's a giant grift. Like they're they're pumping tens and hundreds of millions of dollars from the Republican base and it's not going to where it needs to go. Uh, and well, whoopsie too bad. Right. But what are you going to do at this point? You can't like, they have to use when red, like Republicans have to use when red, they can't, they can't go do their own fundraising. Otherwise they don't get access to any of the don't the, um, the donor lists, and those are all critical. So, what effect is this going to have? Do you do you think going forward, in, in, as we head into election time? Well, you know, ever since I mean, even before Citizens United, Citizens United, money was important. After yeah. Citizens United, money was really important, especially for Republicans. They have to get that propaganda out there they yeah. have to right it, it's absolutely critical to get the propaganda out there i mean they've got fox news and they've got the right-wing media bubble 
but they still have to get their ads out there. They still have to get out there with the smears and the blah, blah, blah. And they have to be on social media. And that costs money. And they don't have it, which means the house, which is already extremely vulnerable, right? There's a whole lot of vulnerable Republicans in the house. And it costs a whole lot of money to keep those seats. Keep them elected, yeah. So they're going to have to be, their fundraising game is going to have to be on point. And they've got a brand new um, House leader, right? Speaker of the House, who doesn't have Mike any Johnson. experience. Yeah. No, yeah. Mike Johnson doesn't have any experience in fundraising. None. Yeah. Right? And mm. not, not on this scale. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's done it for himself, right? Like, you know, unlike his own campaign. He doesn't have it on this scale. This is like industrial scale fundraising, and he does not have that experience. He doesn't know. Hey, remember, Mike Johnson was not part of leadership. This was not a thing that he'd been working on or training for. You know, he wasn't a backbencher who's like, okay, this is how this works. This is how this stuff does. This is he. He doesn't know the nuts and bolts, right? And this is not something you can learn on the fly. You have to have had time to not not only practice, but practice really, right? And he don't got that. And Kevin McCarthy not going to be particularly interested in lending a hand because would you? Yeah, absolutely I wouldn't. Not. Right, <laughs> right. It'd be like, oh, you guys bumped me out of my job, and now you want me to help? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not doing that. Go fuck yourself. Um, Have a nice day. I mean, look, when you're stacking when you're stacking things up, right? When it comes to looking at kind of the, you put everything into consideration, right? Trump's age, Biden's age, the Democrats' finance, the, the RNC's finance finances. Where are you? Where are you laying your bets right now? Uh, I'm betting that the Republicans are going to be outspent badly. Remember. Trump yeah. is spending the majority of his money on keeping himself out of jail. Yes. Like the, most of the donations that he's getting for his campaign, allegedly, they're going to his lawyers. He yeah. doesn't care about, right. I, I mean, he cares about the campaign. He's more interested in staying out of jail. Yeah. So, so I think we should have had this as Sunshine of the Week, Justin. This should have been our Sunshine story. Right, we're actually starting off with like you know, like good news for a change. Woohoo! Positive news, yeah, of course. Um, okay, well, look, so some good news to start the day off. Uh, Hunter Biden, right? Actually, this is kind of good news. This as is well. also good news. <laughs> yeah. So they've been wanting him to testify for for forever, right? Put him on trial. Let's hear what he has to say. Let's like grill him publicly. So now he's saying, yeah, uh, he wants to do it in public. But now Republicans want a closed-door hearing. So what? Okay, hold a second. I'm trying to reconcile. So they do want him to testify or they don't? Or they want the public to know what's going on or they don't? I don't get it. Oh, come on. It's super obvious what they're doing here. They only they, they never wanted him to testify in public. They only wanted him to testify behind closed doors. I mean, so they just, can... do you mean to tell me that this is a whole sh this is all a sham? No. Where would you get such an idea? I mean, like I thought this was, you know, this is a, a legit Hunter Biden was the, you know, part of the Hunter Biden, uh, the uh, Joe Biden crime family. 
I, I, I know you're very disappointed in Republicans for not being honest. I, I know this is like shattered your illusion of yeah. them being upright, and, you know, decent human beings. But I'm, I'm sorry. And also Santa's not real. Yeah. Oh, gosh. OK. All right. Um, because, yeah, a public hearing would basically corroborate everything that Hunter Biden's been saying. And I'm sure that he would, you know, the thing is, I think a lot of people are actually quite sympathetic to Hunter Biden. They think he's being unfairly attacked by Republicans. Right. We know from polling that voters couldn't care less about Hunter Biden. It's not important whatsoever. Not um, according to the press. They swear this is a super important thing. And it's like, yeah, it probably isn't. It probably isn't. So they don't want a public hearing then, right? Well, <laughs> you can't lie about it if he's in public. You can't just, oh, Hunter Biden said this, this, and this. And then he comes out and said, I didn't actually say that. It's like, well, doesn't matter what you said. We know what you actually said. But you can't do that if it's all on camera. Yeah. And it would be. Every single network would carry it. Of course, it would be primetime television. So I think Hunter, he's calling their bluff, really, isn't he? That's what he's doing. He's saying, okay, fine, let's do it. Yeah, and of course, they would treat him like they would treat him like an animal, which yeah. would be which would be horrible for them, right? He would be sitting there like, uh, you're asking me questions. Why are you calling me, you know, this, that, and the other and saying I should die? I'm sitting here answering your questions. What are you doing? And it would look absolutely horrible for them yeah. basically what they're trying to avoid is what happened when they grilled hillary clinton for 12 hours they oh, looked benghazi. terrible that was that was that was awful the benghazi hearings but it, it was a spectacular backfire right but the only reason it worked is because the press hated her so much even after that they still kept repeating the lies oh yeah the, okay but it wasn't the actual hearing itself i remember watching the hearing and thinking this is this is ludicrous. Like she clearly hasn't done anything wrong here. Right. The, they needed the press to just kind of make that go away and then just keep repeating the lies. And they won't do that for Hunter Biden. They don't like Joe Biden. They don't really have anything against Hunter Biden. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. so they're not going to be like, oh, we're just going to destroy Hunter Biden's life just because they're, they won't do that. And it would like make Republicans look absolutely fucking awful. Also ridiculous because. They've been really, really bad at the impeachment stuff so far. Like, they're, Comer is awful at this. Like, they need, I don't know why they haven't replaced him yet. Like, honestly, he's terrible at this. Mm. But there's, I mean, he's, still, he's still in charge. Show, yeah, it does go to show you that, that it's essentially a non functioning party now, the GOP. It really isn't. It's not a functioning party in any sense of the word. There aren't any serious characters left. In, I, mean, I know Mitch, it's weird. Right, because I mean, Mitch McConnell is essentially the last person, the last serious Republican standing, right? Um, who has any actual skill? I mean, Mitch McConnell is back in. I think he, you know, he's kind of past it now. Um, well, he'll been, be dead soon, and yeah, he's been sidelined by the maggots quite severely. Um, so his influence over the party is waning, and and it shows, right? It shows that they're that. McConnell was a, you know, he's a shrewd fox, Mitch McConnell, really a shrewd fox. I mean, I've got to say, his killing of um, uh, Merrick Garland, right? Remember when he blocked Obama from nominating him to the Supreme Court was essentially like Mitch McConnell inside Senate baseball tactics, right? Which were right. unbelievably successful. So, yeah, you, you got to kind of take your hat off to how successful Mitch McConnell was being at 
uh, his political maneuvering over over being know. an evil bastard. Oh yeah, he 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 is the sort of the dot. What who's the the Star Wars? Um, Darth Vader. No, Emperor not Darth Palpatine. Vader. He is Emperor Palpatine, pretty much. So um, without that, this is what I think I wrote an article about this recently. That the Republicans, they they I don't think they understand what they're doing by getting rid of Mitch McConnell by constantly sidelining him and 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 insulting him and ensuring that he has less influence over the party. It means they're going to win less. The well, only reason miss him when he's gone. Oh yes, they they certainly will. Um, okay, so look, well, let's move on. Um, ceasefire now, crowd. Right. So this has been a big thing. The ceasefire now, crowd. Uh, they are demanding a ceasefire, but we already have a ceasefire. Yeah, I, I, and that's what that's what just tells me it's just it's just not it's not about the Palestinians. It's not about a ceasefire. It's just about going out there and being assholes. Like, right. I'm, I'm personally in favor of disruptive protests, right? Yeah. Protests don't aren't useful if they're not disruptive, right? If, if no one's inconvenienced or annoyed by your protest, then you're not really doing anything. Mm. So, you know, when people block traffic or, you know, they, they chain themselves to a door – you're protesting, right? You're supposed to annoy people and get their attention and and try to raise awareness about whatever it is that you're doing. But if you're protesting something that's or if you're trying if you're demanding something that's already happening, then what are you doing? Like right, right? If you're demanding, ah, oh, we want a ceasefire. Okay. Well, they're not shooting at each other right now, right? They've stopped shooting each other. And Biden's currently trying to get them to continue not shooting at each other. So he's doing the thing that you are demanding that he's doing. And you're yelling at him and calling him Genocide Joe like he's not doing that. Right. And I, I didn't really understand this, right, about, about Biden being what everyone was saying. You know, Biden administration is responsible for what's going on in Gaza. Well, no, first of all, Hamas is responsible for this initially, right? They committed a terrorist act against the state of Israel. The Israeli response has been, um, let's say, heavy-handed, to say the least, right? Right, uh, that's being nice about it. Yeah, so we you can get into that. I think that's absolutely fair game, right, about what what was the Israeli response? Has it gone too far? What are their options? I don't know what their options are. Again, we've, dis- we've discussed this, right? Like, what I don't... I personally don't really understand what people want the Israeli government to do or what they can do. There are no good options, right? There are absolutely no good options. They have to go after Hamas. They can't go after Hamas without killing civilians. Um, Which, again, Hamas specifically hides among civilians in order to make that the reality. Yes, so is yes, exactly, right? But that's a whole other debate. But the idea that the Biden administration can stop the Israelis from doing this is is insane, right? Israel they is going to apply do... a lot of pressure, but they can only apply so much pressure. They they have and they have right. They have by all accounts. Joe Biden has has spent a lot of time um, ensuring that the two parties are like Hamas and Israel are speaking like, mostly through the Qataris, um, right. but a lot of that has been facilitated by the White House. Right. This yeah, no um, one else could have done that. I don't think any other country could have gotten that to happen. 
Yeah, yeah, because the Qataris, you know, obviously they're probably no fan of Israel, but they have a lot of business ties to the US. So the US has leverage over the Qataris. This is how international diplomacy works, right? It's it's not sexy. It's not. It happens behind the scenes. Um, a lot of these activists have no idea about what is going on behind the scenes or what the Biden administration is doing, um, because obviously a lot of this stuff is performative, right? It's just about making a kind of political point um, right. without and, any and, thought whatsoever. And, and while Biden's been getting those two those two groups to talk, he's had the United States military. In you know, you know, running around the Middle East, smacking the shit out of anybody who's even thinking about getting involved, right? Because mm. there's other players who who you know they've been trying to get involved in this, and we've been like, no, you know, we've we've like we've dropped a bunch of missiles and bombs on people on other countries to keep them from getting involved and in turning this into a larger regional conflict, which is what mm. Hamas wanted in the first place. And we made that not happen, right? Yeah. We made it super, super clear. If you try this, you will have to deal with us. We're not going to get involved in the fight between Israel and Hamas, but we absolutely will get involved if anyone else tries to step in, right? Mm. We've been lobbing missiles and bombs saying, uh-uh-uh, no, 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 you don't get involved. This is mm. their fight. We'll fucking kill you if you step in. And we've been doing that. Right. And that's part of the way that they've also gotten Hamas to come to the table. They're alone. They weren't expecting that. They were expecting this to be a big old regional thing. And now they're all by themselves. It's like, oh, shit, we should probably try to talk. We should probably try to get some kind of peace arrangement here because we're not there's no one coming to help us. We, you know, the United States made sure nobody else is getting involved. Right, and that's that's extremely skillful diplomacy. That's ex- extremely skillful international politicking. Um, none of which is respected or even recognised by a lot of segments of uh, the the far left, I would say. Um, yeah, because Israel absolutely would have been shooting at those other countries as well, because they would have been happy to like just launch warplanes and just start killing people in other countries, because you know they don't care. They would yeah, have been- of and it would have been way more disproportionate than what we were doing. We were just like, stay in your lane. And Israel would have been like, nope, we're at war with other countries now. Uh, right. You know. I mean, so look, I do think, you know, that there's a legitimate debate to be had about Israel's influence in US politics, right? Um, with you know, organizations like APAC and, and um, other kind of more right wing Israeli uh, pro Israel groups. But I think there are two sides to that story. The first, the first thing is that yes, it it is a problem. No fan of APAC, right? Um, but I'm also it's also wildly over exaggerated by lots of people in a lot of people on the left, right? Uh, my and suspicion, the right, they they all hate APAC. Well, well, some of the right hate APAC. The well, yeah, all right. yeah, more of the far right hates APAC. Yeah, the ethno nationalists hate APAC, right? Right. The Tucker Carlson gang don't like APAC um, uh, for the same reason, right? They don't like Jews. Um, you, you, one wonders why there is such a uh, myopic focus on APAC um, as a as a po- because it feeds into conspiracy theories about Jews controlling American politics and Jews controlling society, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? That's what. It, but I do think there are legitimate 
discussions to be had about APAC, which I, you know, I don't think is good for Israel. I don't think it's good for Jews. I don't think it's good for America. I agree with all of that. Um, that being said, they don't have as much influence as a lot of people like to suggest they do. Um, again, complicated issue, right? We tried to, we, we've been trying to talk about this sensibly on the podcast. Um, and you know, and you know, written stuff is. I don't know how successful we're we're being. Um, <laughs> well, we're really being successful at pissing people off. Yeah, once you start talking about anti-Semitism and and um, highlighting people's anti-Semitism, a lot of people don't, they don't like it. Don't yeah, like it's. it's I swear, it's like talking about white privilege. You talk about white privilege, and oh boy, do a whole lot of white people get really, really angry. <laughs> Yeah, it's the same thing with anti-Semitism. I mean, it's like one of these things that you just think, why can't? It, why is it so hard to acknowledge this exists? Like, I fully, for example, white privilege. I fully acknowledge white privilege exists. Right? Not, not difficult to say that. Well, that's um, because you're not white, Ben. Well, depending you're, on who, you're right? Jewish. You don't count. Depending, depending, oh. depending on who you ask, right? Depending right. On who <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, uh, but it is, I don't understand this, why it's such a difficult thing to acknowledge. Um, but there you go. Well, look, let's... Uh... Wait, wait, before we move on from the ceasefire now group, okay. just to be clear, right? These people are like way, way out of pocket. They showed up at the former first lady. Uh, um, oh, my God. I'm about to miss it. I, I want to say Rosalind. It's not Rosalind. Um Miss Carter, my God. Yeah, I, I, Rosalind Carter, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, it, is it Rosalind or Rosalind? Rosalind. Rosalind. Um, they showed up at her funeral to protest. And this is one of the most decent people to ever walk the planet. And they still showed up to protest. And you don't do that unless you're just trying to get attention and to be an asshole and to stir up hate. And that's kind of all they're doing at this point. And, and I'm I'm really starting to get this real serious sensation that the entire point of these is just to divide the left out of the election. They just want to get people angry. They want to build as much resentment as possible because their protests don't make any sense anymore. It, like I don't know, they don't. They're not protesting anything real, right? Mm. You you can't. You can't demand a ceasefire if people aren't shooting each other. If they start shooting at each other again, sure, right? You go back to saying, we want a ceasefire, blah, blah, blah. But if they're not shooting each other and your government is explicitly and openly trying to keep it that way, then you're not protesting anything in good faith. The only thing you're doing is trying to build as much resentment as possible against your government. And that tells me that they're not doing this in good faith at all. Yeah. It's not about the Palestinians. It's not about peace. It's about getting people angry so they won't vote next year. And that yeah. tells me that there's something else going on here because none of it makes sense what they're yeah. doing. I mean, it's a huge industry that it's a huge conscious industry. We're going to be doing a lot more on this uh, in the coming months because they're going to become even more relevant, particularly on the, on the left. We see this um, the, the kind of anti-mainstream Democrat uh, industry. I promise you, if this ceasefire becomes permanent and, you know, four months, three months from now, they're not shooting each other still, these people will have moved on to some other thing. They'll just move the goalposts about why they still hate Joe Biden 
and they, you can't vote for him because of something else. The same exact people will find yep. something else. And that's when you know that was always the point. Of course, of course. Uh, well, look, let's move on to our fascist of the week. Um, this is uh, our good friend of the podcast, Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. He's totally <laughs> going to be funding us soon. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And then he'll uh, change so, the name of the podcast to X. Yeah. So he did two things, right? He's, yeah, he did two things this week. He said, um, uh, just he decided to sue Media Matters um, for accurately reporting on the Nazi content on his site. Then he pretended to care about um, Israel. And he also, Petergate is back, right? This is a new thing. Jesus, he's had quite the week, hasn't he, Elon? He really has. Um, so Petergate which was, for those of you who don't know, uh, that's the long, 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 long debunked uh, conspiracy theory about Hillary Clinton running a sex trafficking ring um, in, a, in a pizzeria restaurant, which is uh, actually not that far from where I live. I drive past, um, the, I think it's Ping Pong Comet or something like that, or Comet Pizza. I drive past that fairly regularly. And it's kind of sad to see the, that, you know, th that happen to a sort of a local business um, I think it really hurt their business for quite a long time. You know? Oh, I don't some, doubt it. Yeah, some horrible conspiracy theories. The guy went in there and shot the place up, didn't he? Yeah, well, I, he didn't shoot it, shoot it up, but he went in, shot a couple of shots, and then demanded to be taken down to the basement so he could free all of the sex-trafficked kids. Of course, the problem was there's no sex-traffic ring and there's no basement. The building doesn't have a basement. Did they, what did they do? Did they take him down to the basement? Or, no. I mean, or did they say, like, hey, we can't take you down there because there isn't a basement? I think they showed them there's literally no basement. There's no – I mean, uh, in, a, in a building like that, it's like you can easily walk someone around. It's like, dude, there's no basement to this place. There's no doors. There's no basement. There's no place – you. there's no basement. It's I mean, not the, hard to find that out. I mean, on the one hand, you know, I kind of feel sorry for the guy. I mean, he – Clearly, his heart's in the right place if he genuinely thought he was freeing children. Um, but also, you're an idiot. I mean, you have to be very, very stupid to believe that. Right. Um, that, like, everyone knows that this is happening, but no one actually did anything about it. But you're going to save those kids because no one else is going to. Yeah. Okay, sure. Right. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so, Elon Musk is uh, – how did he bring this back? He said it was true. Right. Yeah. He just, um, no. Um, so one of the guys who I think he was working in the government at the time had debunked the whole thing. Like yeah. one of many people or no, it was someone working at CBS. I'm sorry. It was a, it was a news producer who was involved with the story, the, you know, shooting down the story. He eventually got arrested for child porn. So therefore, it's suspicious that he was involved with debunking pizza games. Oh my and it's like, what? Why? But, but what? What do you, what? So because that one person of the dozens and hundreds of people who were involved in debunking the story turned mm. out to actually be a pedophile, therefore, therefore. therefore Pizzagate may actually be true. So now there's what? There's always been a fucking basement and it's been happening this whole time and still no one found out and noticed it. It's like, oh, really, man? Seriously? And and now QAnon people are just like, see, one of them actually said on Twitter, 
he wouldn't be pointing a laser at it if it wasn't true. It's like, okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I swear there's not a single right-wing conspiracy theory that Elon Musk has not fallen for. Nope. I mean, last week he also went all in on great replacement theory. He, uh, he, yeah. you know, he said that uh, um, some guy was going on about how Jews have been pushing hate against white people and you know, they're flooding minorities into Western countries, blah, blah, blah. And Musk said, you have said the actual truth. This is why he ended up going to Israel, by the way, and having Netanyahu kiss his ass so he can show that he actually loves the Jews. Oh, gosh, yeah. What a it's terrible, like, he's a no. terrible person. It's, I do feel like watching Twitter and watching Elon Musk on Twitter is sort of like watching the sort of uh, the real time self destruction of an egomaniac billionaire. He's just, he's doing, he's living out a severe midlife crisis. Yeah, honestly, the, f- as yeah, the fact can. that he's now all like, oh, Pizzagate is true. Uh, every Republican accusation is a confession. And it's just a matter of time until we find out that he's been paying for underage girls. It is just a matter of time yeah, yeah. okay we we're not we're not saying just want to be clear we're not saying that's happening but hypothetically that could be the case that would be interesting if that happened would not be surprised in the slightest yes yeah yeah, yeah. uh all right so there's our factions of the week uh sunshine of the week um two arizona republicans election deniers were charged over their attempt to re- refuse to certify an election um, this is from The Guardian. Two elected officials in a rural Arizona county who stalled certifying election results have been charged by Arizona's attorney general with conspiracy and interfering with an election officer. Tom Crosby and Peggy Judd, Republican county supervisors in Cochise County, faced two felony counts for their initial refusal to certify the county's election results in 2022. A grand jury convened earlier this month to discuss the potential charges, which were filed on Wednesday. Crosby and Judd have had to be ordered by a court to certify the November 2022 election results, passing the statewide deadline for counties to canvass results. Even after the court order, Crosby did not show up to vote on the canvass. Yes, good, great. This is awesome. It is. Yeah. And this has to happen. This has to happen more often and in more places. Yes, everywhere. And yeah. Everywhere is that Republicans do this. Everywhere is they pull this bullshit. They have to be charged and put in jail. And I'm talking like significant jail time i'm talking two three four five years they have to go away for this everywhere and every time they do this because they're not doing it they're not doing it to make elections more secure they're doing it so they can make it easier to steal elections they lose they're trying Mm. to normalize refusing to certify elections so when it comes time to to refuse to certify election that republicans legitimately lost they can do that and then they can steal it. That's what yeah. they're doing. That's what this is about. That's yeah, all this is about. It, it is super important that these it's why Trump needs to be punished for what happened on January 6th as well. Like it, you Absolutely. to maintain the rule of law and preserve democracy in America, people who you fuck around, this is what happened. You go to jail. Like no two ways about it. it there can be no other way around around it. Um so look, this is very positive news. Um and look, so now we're gonna we're gonna head into um, the emergency meeting, um, where we're gonna be discussing uh, our good friend Susan Sarandon. Uh, please come and join us in the emergency meeting podcast. Uh, we rely entirely on your generous uh, patronage to survive to keep going. 
please uh, you can get 50 percent off a bantam membership gets you access to everything we do gets you access to the emergency meeting podcast um and all of our members only articles so um yeah please subscribe and um come listen to us in the emergency meeting uh today uh, susan sarandon justin's epic piece and uh i'm going to read you a nice ex uh, a hilarious excerpt from a chess pazienza piece on um <laughs> on, on susan sarandon which made me chuckle uh, but anyway we will see you next week and uh onwards into the emergency meeting podcast adios yeah.